0: Well, good morning, church family. It's great to be back. And I am so excited about this evening. Laugh all night with Colette Rodriguez. So come on back tonight, 6 p.m. Bring the neighbors, bring the family, bring the dogs. Leave the cats at home. I know. There will be an altar call at the end of the service for all the cat owners. No, we're, we're glad you're here. You're welcome here at First Baptist Friendswood. We will hopefully change you, but no, I'm kidding. First service didn't get all the good stuff, okay? This is the second service only. I, I call you all the closers, okay? The closers. Uh, those of you are joining us online, welcome. Uh, go ahead and pour me a double espresso. This is the second service. Glad we're together, and thanks for joining us. Uh, those in the balcony, uh, do you pay extra for those seats? Beautiful, beautiful view, it's great. I do wanna take a moment as we kick things off, and I, I wanna show you uh, some photographs of how your generosity is making an impact in Haiti your church through your missions giving. So thank you for your faithfulness in giving to missions through your church. You're building a church in Chateau, Haiti. So the next phase is the roof project will go on. Uh, there's a man standing over there to the side, uh, Pastor Franson. And it's beautiful to see what God is doing in this community. Uh, on the back of the building, there are two offices, one for the pastor and one for the music team. You hear that? It was one for the music team. That's good. And uh, I was a worship leader for a while, so... Kudos to them. But the beautiful part about this, this church was engineered uh, post-Haiti earthquake. We have built over 20 of these facilities. They're an open-air structure, so if there's ever a crisis, they can exit immediately. But that's all engineered to the point uh, to sustain any severe threat of Natural disaster. So it's been amazing. We've built over 20 of them. And so your church family, because of your generosity, allows us to do that. And uh, it's a beautiful testimony to the community because during the week, that church gets converted to be a dining hall for the children to eat lunch from the school there in Chateau, Haiti. Isn't that awesome? So yeah, it's awesome. And uh, at the end of the service in the foyer, I have photographs of children only from the Chateau church and school. So if God puts it on your heart to sponsor a child with New Missions, you can actually support one of the students directly from the church that you're building there. So thank you for your generosity and your steadfast commitment to reaching the neighbors here and the nations, uh, and your generosity is seeing lives change. We say it this way at New Missions, that together we are preaching the gospel because only God changes lives forever. And together we are making disciples because discipleship is the true measurement of success. So by establishing a local church, we're preaching the gospel. And then by bringing in these students and these children to be educated, we're helping to make disciples because each day at our schools, there's Bible class every week, there's chapel service. And so your giving is making that possible to help raise up this generation of Christian leaders. So I thank you. Would y'all put your hands together for that? Pretty awesome. Those of you online, just high-five the screen. High-five the screen. That's awesome. And today I have a message on my heart, and I, I just wanted to share with you that's really timely. I believe it's titled Contagious Attitudes. And I don't know about you, but maybe you have been asked this question in the last 18 months. Anyone been asked the question, are you contagious, right? Right. And you know I, it's very apropos here at this church, because you all engineered the church so well, because those are the, that are on the sides, are you, do you get the extra question? Are you contagious? I know. I mean, are you contagious over there? You know, okay, you're not. Okay, good. I know. But it just seems like, you know, very safe, very safe. You know, it's like, we'll keep them on that side. Um, but nonetheless, we've been asked the question, are you contagious? And right now in the world in which we live, you know, it's really unfortunate that our attitudes can be contagious in a negative way. And as you can see in our world right now, there is a war going on physically, right? But the scriptures that I read teach me that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And so there is a greater war that is happening right now. And that greater war is for the souls of your neighbors, your coworkers, your sons, your daughters, your friends. And so our attitudes can become contagious in a good way or they can be contagious in a negative way and push us away from people that are far from God. And I pray that we will go from here this morning with contagious attitudes that Jesus exemplified so that we can draw near to some people in our lives and influence them to know Jesus personally. So I want to open up scripture this morning, and uh, we're going to read from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11 in just a moment. But before I go there, I want to ask us this question. How loud is your attitude? How loud is your attitude? And uh, your pastor, Dave, and I, we, we've been friends for a long time. And uh, other than driving cars fast, uh, we do like loud music. And how many of you all re- remember uh, Toby Mac? Any Toby Mac fans in the house? All right. Any DC talk way back? Yeah, look at Jesus freaks. This is awesome. <laughs> There was only one at the first service. But anyways, um, <laughs> I, I serve on the board of directors for a Christian radio station in central Florida called Z88. And they are a family of radio stations around the state. And they were celebrating their 25th anniversary. And they brought in this artist, Toby Mack, to help kick off the 25th anniversary. And so he was spinning some tracks on a new project. They had the subwoofers. And it was cranking, pumping up loud. It was awesome. So I get in the car. And you know, I drive a Subaru WRX. Oh, six speed, and um, you know, pump up the jams, pump up the jams, and driving fast and loud. So if I got pulled over, I would tell them it was DC talk. Yeah. Anyways, and so I get home, and so I want to crank up the music, and at home I have these speakers that are all connected through the Wi-Fi in our home, and so like every room got a speaker. I'm pumping the jam, Toby Mac, cranking to rip the roof off. This is awesome, and then my wife gets home, so it's like, you know, shut off the music, you know, <laughs> quiet it down. Time to eat dinner and then time to go to sleep, and I don't know, if I I can just talk to the husbands for a moment. Sometimes when my wife can't sleep, she leaves the bedroom, and she goes out to the couch, and she'll lay on the couch, and she'll start watching TV to kind of help shut down her mind, because she's in the medical field, and It's always like hyperdrive. And she likes to watch crime shows, right? So I'm laying in bed, sleeping, and all of a sudden I get woken up, smash, crash, because there's a speaker right next to the bed. And I'm like, who's breaking into the house? And I'm like running out to the kitchen, and there's my wife. She's unplugging speakers from the kitchen counters because I got speakers everywhere. And she's like, it's too loud, and she didn't know how to shut them off, so she's unplugging all the speakers. And sometimes that is what happens in our lives. Our attitudes are so loud in a negative way that people want to unplug us from their lives. Now, last night I had dinner with your pastor, David, and Brandy. They've been longtime friends. And we're over there at Rudy's eating barbecue. Praise Jesus. And, you know, when, when you're with a friend and their attitude is contagious in a good way. You don't want to unplug them. You, you want to spend more time with them. I mean, like, you know, you're leaning into the conversation. You want to be with them. It, it's, it, their attitudes are contagious, right? And you know those other people that you just like unplug them from your life, unfollow, unfriend, like delete, you know, straight to voicemail. Oh my gosh, there's the negativity showing up at the front door. And so today, I hope that God will help us reshape our attitudes to model the attitudes of Christ. If you turn with me to Philippians chapter 2 in in verses 5 through 11, we're going to read this together. And just to give you a little backdrop to this letter written by Paul, he was in prison in Rome. On his third missionary journey, he planted a church in Philippi. And while he was in prison, he wrote this letter. And this letter was out of affection versus his other letters were really out of desperation or caution. This letter was out of love and admiration for these people at this church. And this morning, coming to you here at First Baptist friends. What I feel that this message in my heart is really a message out of admiration and affection for you and your church family. That you all would embody these attitudes of Christ as, as you become contagious in a good way. Man, I, I wish I could be here for that lemonade and lawn chairs. I mean, it's just going to be so <laughs> contagious in a good way. It's going to be great. Unbelievable. I, I love stuff like that. And so Paul's writing this letter from prison. Now, I just got to go on the record. If I were in prison in Rome, I would not be writing a letter of affection to Pastor David and the church family friends Friendswood. I'd be like writing a letter of desperation, like door dash me some pizza. <laughs> you know, I have been to Rome and it's like pasta and pizza time. But So the context of this is really one of love and wanting to give to them this message in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5. Let's read it together. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Now, Paul was very clear on this. There wasn't a wavering of, hey, have your aversion of it or your opinion of it. It was to have the same, everyone say with me, same, same same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. In verse 7, Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position. Say with me, humble. Humble. We'll we'll talk about humility in just a moment. I I believe it is a superpower for us to have the attitude of Christ. He took a humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience see friends a lot of the world wants to teach us an attitude of arrogance and they want to teach us this attitude of being in charge but you had the Son of God humble himself in obedience another word I would use there is submission or surrender to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. We sang about it this morning. That at that name, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for your scripture that is speaking to us today. But Heavenly Father, may we not just know it, but dear Lord, may we obey it. And may we live it for your glory. And all God's people said, amen. So I want to bring to the surface today some of the attitudes that Christ exemplified for us. As Paul beckons to the church family in Philippi that you would have the same attitude as Christ. And the first is this, is that Jesus was relatable. He practiced kindness. Now, we could all ask this question, what does kindness feel like? Does, does You all know what it feels like, right? What does kindness feel like? Because we know the opposite of it, right? We know that that, that rudeness and just that icky, sticky kind of like attitude people can have where, you know, they're just not treating you with that respect. And but, but what does kindness feel like? We know what it feels like. I mean, if we could step into the moment when Jesus was at the well with the woman and, he approached her with kindness. Even though the history and the story was one of brokenness and maybe shame or, or guilt, Jesus was kind even though, you know, the other teachers of the law wanted to throw rocks and Jesus was like, no, we're going to show kindness. We, we know what kindness feels like. and Maybe there are some people in your lives that you want to throw rocks at. <laughs> and Jesus is saying, no, maybe you should be kind to them. Now, I... I I like getting my oil changed in the car because I excessively use the windshield washer fluid. And my wife has told me many times, you're the only one I know that can empty the tank of the washer fluid. Now, I know gentlemen, you're probably thinking, because there's some smart guys here I can tell, you're thinking, Tim, you know you can pop the hood and fill up that washer fluid yourself, right? (laughs) But there's something about going to get the oil changed, and I, I just love leaving the dealership and flipping the lever, and it's like, yes, full washer fluid tank. So I went to get the oil change. I'm leaving, and you know, I'm like, all right, here we go. Pull the lever, no washer fluid. So I get home. It's like, you know, i got to chill out the attitude for a minute. And I'm thinking, I'll wait a day. I'll call tomorrow. Finally, I call the next day. I have to call. I have to tell them. So I call, and I say, hey, just want to let you know. Yesterday, I was there for an oil change. And they did not top off the washer fluid. And the guy on the, on the other end of the line said, let me patch you through to the manager. I said, no, sir, this isn't a crisis of any sort. I said, I just wanted to just call and let you know. He goes, no, 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 he's going to want to hear this. So he patches me through to the manager. And I said to the manager, and this is when my, uh, like my systems and procedure mind starts to kick in. I'm like, sir, I just want to let you know on the checklist next to fill washer fluid, someone did not check that box. And they skipped that step. I just want to let you know, I'm not an angry customer. I will come back and have my oil change here. Just wanted to let you know. And his response to me was, thank you for being so kind. Next time you come in, the oil change is on us. You see, friends, we, we all can raise our hand. We all know what kindness feels like. But what impresses me about kindness, and when I think of the life of Christ and how he was kind to people and he remained relatable to them, is that it really gives us access to people. And so our kindness is an attitude that can become contagious. And so may we exemplify that. And one of the ways we can do that is simply by holding the door open for someone. Now, as we go from here today, if we would take this one action to heart, we're going to hold the door for someone at the coffee shop or at the barbecue place or tacos, Lord, I pray for tacos. Tacos today, wherever we're going, you know, just (laughs) planting the seed, planting the seed. You know, hold the door open. (laughs) And they'll look at you and they'll go, wow, thanks for the respect and the kindness. And they're almost shocked that you held the door open for them. But I want to take it a step further, lean in on this for a moment. We need to hold the door open for someone spiritually because there are people in our lives that we know that are going through pain. They're going through hurt. They may be in a season of darkness or or confusion and they're stuck in a tunnel somewhere and you and I have already walked through that tunnel and we can hold the door open for them spiritually and show kindness, not judgment, and say, hey, keep on walking, keep on walking. You holding the door open for them spiritually allows you to introduce them to Jesus because Jesus can meet them in that point of pain and change their lives forever versus us shutting the door on them and leaving them there and going, there's no hope for them. You see, I've been down village paths that ended with a voodoo temple in the middle of the village where there was no hope. There was no well. There was no church. There was no school. But we began to hold the door open for these villagers by Establishing churches and schools and drilling wells and seeing people flourish because there's hope in Jesus. Amen? Because there is a war going on today. But our kindness can open that door for someone. The second attitude I want to bring to the surface today that Jesus exemplified for us was that Jesus was approachable. He practiced humility. We read in Philippians how he humbled himself in obedience. You know, when you think about entitlement and you think about, I deserve this, Jesus, the son of God, could have simply said, are you kidding me? I mean, this is the task I've been put up to, but out of obedience, he humbled himself and went to the cross for us. And I don't know about you, but I've been in the room with people that you could smell from across the room that were arrogant. You know what I'm talking about, right? You you get there and you're like, oh boy, there they are, right? You know, I mean, this stench, just the arrogance, just that attitude. And I don't believe that arrogance is a strength. I believe it is a weakness. And that humility is really a a superpower for us spiritually in people's lives. Because I know Pastor David has whispered in my ear and bragged about some of you on the just the progress and success and opportunities that God has opened up for you. And we can be in a room and somebody can look up to you and go, You're that person that did what? I can't, you, I, it's good to know you. And, and then the next question is are we going to be arrogant or are we going to remain humble and, and teachable and approachable? And, and people then want to be near us as people of Christ or are they pushing us away? You see, Jesus practiced humility. It makes me remember a man by the name of Jim, who my father was good friends with. Jim is from California, and my dad passed away 15 years ago. My dad told me, you may never know the net worth of this man. He is so humble. And I would travel to California to speak and would stay at his home and Jim and I began nurturing a closer friendship, and he's now serving on our board of directors for new missions. And I'd be back at his home to spend a few nights. And one of those occasions, he said to me, Tim, I want to take you out to lunch today. I'm like, oh, thanks, Jim. That's kind of you. And then he says, no, no, but I want you to drive. Now, you know, David and I like fast cars. I'm like, this is great, because he has a Tesla Model S. So we get in the car. He's like, oh, I'd punch it, right? And then my head, like, falls in the back seat. You know. I- put my head back on and we keep on driving he's like now push the lever go autopilot and now the car's like driving me through southern california roads i'm like this is amazing like the future is now and (laughs) the jetsons (laughs) have arrived we go to lunch and jim and i begin having conversations about our kids and talking about the spiritual impact in their lives and what's happening and and i coined this phrase about this man He has a confident humility. He's he's super successful. He's done a lot of great accomplishments, but he has this confident humility. And as I would begin to ask him why, he would talk about his identity in Christ. You see, friends, when, when your identity is in Christ and you know Jesus, you don't have to prove to the world something you've done because you know who has done it all. And so we don't have the arrogance. We have this this confident humility. And, And so we can be in a room and we can be approachable. And that attitude of Christ, that he gave up his divine privilege to become man and to walk among us was an exemplification of humility at its highest level. And so my question to us today is, are you adding value to others? Are you adding value to others? Because when you're a humble person, you're thinking about others above self. And I love what your pastor has been leading this church through to, to reach the neighbors and invite them, even tonight, to come to a laugh-all-night comedy concert for free. The church is saying, hey, open those doors. Let's bring the neighbors. Let's bring the friends. Let's bring the families. Hey, let's let's get the lawn chairs. Let's have some lemonade. Let's let people know that we are kind and and relatable and we we are humble and approachable because here's the deal it's really a question about are we serving others above self are we serving with humility it's others above self because what this shows the world is so much of a welcoming spirit that we are humility we want them to be with us the third Attitude that comes to the surface for me today that I want to share that Jesus exemplified for us is that Jesus was thankful. He practiced gratitude. Now, I'm Italian and and my love language is food. Okay. So, you know, Jesus in scripture, before he fed the 5,000, he gave thanks. Before the Last Supper with his disciples, he gave thanks. And Jesus gave thanks on many occasions to thank his heavenly father. And he practiced this gratitude. And friends, for you and me today, we can practice gratitude and thankfulness. And it's an attitude that becomes contagious versus the attitude of complaining or not feeling you have enough or, gee, comparing ourselves to somebody else and being bitter or jealous. So my question is, who are you thankful for? We sang earlier, I'm thankful for Jesus, especially as we come into this Resurrection Sunday, Easter season, we think about Jesus and his sacrifice. Man, I'm thankful for Jesus. But, but maybe there's somebody personally in your life, a person, someone you know that by name you can say, I'm, I'm thankful for that person. In the last uh, year or so, there's been somebody new in my life um, that I'm a little extra thankful for. And her name is Sydney Queen. She's now known as Sydney Queen us. She married my son. Now, can I talk to the dads for a moment? Dads, you know, you got a daughter. You're like, she's a princess. She's amazing. She's perfect. She's wonderful. But then you have a son. You're like, dear Lord, I just pray. Somebody one day finds my son, <laughs> takes my son away. I mean, you know, you're just like praying really hard, you know. Because right? like, we know all the flaws of our boys. But the ladies, the girls, we're just like, you're awesome. You're, you know. And so Luke and Sydney got married, and I've been extremely thankful for Sydney Queen. And part of the reason is, is that my son, I'll never forget this day, I was at a conference with a pastor friend of ours in Branson, Missouri, and I get the phone call that Luke was having a mental breakdown. He was a freshman in college in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I found myself on the first flight to Chattanooga, and I, I get into that hospital, and there's my son in a room. He's shaking. He's scared. And I looked at my son. I said, Luke, I love you. God's going to get us through this. And he was scared and nervous, and thank God he came through that dark season of his life. And uh, Luke and Sidney wrote their vows, and she said, if Luke can love God as much as he did during his darkest of days. I know that Luke can love me. And uh, I just want to say for a moment, if there's anybody here, if you're watching online or anyone that has gone through or going through anything related to any mental health battles, any depression or threat of suicide or whatever it may be in your heart and pain you're going through, I just want to look at you today and I want to tell you that I love you, and I know God's love is greater than your fear. And my son, uh, he got a new job this January. Thank you, Jesus. You know, you, you thank God when he gets married. You thank God even 10 times louder when he, when he gets the jobs, right? Yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But friends, um, I'm thankful for Sydney Queen. They met at college ministry at church, so kids... Stay in college ministry, stay in student ministry, okay? It's a good thing. It's a really, really good thing. Can, can I tell second service something I didn't tell first? At my son's wedding, let me talk to the young people, anybody under 20. As a dad, it was a proud moment, but the greatest reward was after the ceremony, when my son and his new bride stood in a little room in a cabin at this park in Tennessee, where the college ministry team laid hands on them. And it was the student ministry and the college ministry that grew up with them and loved them through all this crazy of life. And so just to those that are under 20, mom and dad, if you have a teenager that's not here today, please bring them. And I'm crying up here. Get them plugged in, because this is not only the safest place, it's the best place to be because the people around you are going to make you stronger because they love Jesus, they love you. So I'm glad you're here. Would you all put your hands together for the young people in the room? Okay. Brandy, you can tell the office, I was just crying like a baby on Sunday. (laughs) See, gratitude is the foundation for happiness. Now, Tim, that may sound like a self-help thing I'm saying up here. No, no, let me let me let me take you into this for a moment. I grew up in church, went to summer camp, got saved. You know, Bible teaches me that the fruit of the spirit is peace, love and joy, right? See, the world wants to sell us a, a temporary happiness. So, you know, Lord willing, we'll get some ice cream sometime between now and tonight, you know, and I can have a moment of happiness, right? You know, about 10 minutes of that ice cream. Yes, I'm happy. But you can experience the peace and joy of Jesus in your life. And that's supernatural. See, it's a peace that passes all understanding. And so our gratitude that we have, it's the foundation for this happiness in Christ that we find. That is supernatural, It's not a happiness that the world wants to give us temporarily. I mean, look, the barbecue last night was awesome, but, you know, that was like 15 minutes, you know? Then it's like, now the tacos this afternoon, in Jesus' name, we're going to be really happy, you know? But the gratitude that we have each day, it becomes the foundation for happiness. Because the opposite is true. If we want to live an attitude of complaining and Comparing and discouragement because we don't think we have what somebody else has, versus we can be grateful, we can be thankful. That's the attitude that becomes contagious. At our office, we just came through a, a season where shoeboxes were coming to our building because it was shoebox drive. And your church family, I can't thank you enough. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for packing shoebox gifts. For the children of New Missions, it's such a joy for them to receive those, to bring them home to their families. All of our schools and churches give those out to the children in the classrooms, and then they bring them home, and they open them up with their families. And so thank you for your generosity in packing shoebox gifts. And we'll have delivery trucks show up at our building, and, and sometimes the conversation's like this. Grumpy number two is at the front door, because some of those delivery guys don't want to unload all the boxes. You know, they're literally, a lot of work. Until the UPS driver shows up and there's TT. And he's a, just a jolly old fellow and is there to help the last box gets unloaded and everybody's excited to see TT because his attitude is contagious. So my question for us today is, is your attitude contagious in a good way? Because as we go from here, our lives can be contagious and people can want to lean in and be near us or they're going to want to unplug us from their, from their lives. And so I would ask that we would be the attitude that we want to be around and that we would model for the world around us that we would represent Jesus well, that we would show them the attitudes that Christ had and that would become contagious. That then the world around us would want to be near us and then they would discover that Jesus is still the answer For the world today. So, as I close this morning, I I would love to give an invitational response in in two parts. The first is that if you have never said yes to Jesus to make him Lord of your life, I want to invite you today that Jesus loves you so much, no matter the story, no matter the history, he will forgive you of your sins and you can find peace, love, and joy in knowing him. And and today you can say, "I, I want to say yes to Jesus. If you're watching online, we want to hear from you. You can say yes to Jesus. Those of you in the room, Pastor David will be down front. Come on and pray with us this morning and say yes to Jesus. And then secondly, the second part would be for all of us that today we would respond and we would ask God to help reposition our attitudes as we go from here. That we would embody these attitudes of Christ. That we would live with kindness. We would would hold the door open for someone. And that, that we would practice humility, that we would say no to the arrogance, and, and that we would show gratitude and be thankful. We're not going to complain about the situation. We're, in all things, give thanks. So I want to invite us all to stand together. Would you stand with me? And let's have a moment of prayer and response.